Welcome to the Love is a Trip podcast, where two life coaches talk the ups and the downs of love. Come enjoy the ride with Ash and Dad. What's up, everybody? We are back with another episode, and this time we are talking about parenting after divorce, because it is a trip. Oh my goodness. I can imagine, you know, I don't have kids, but I've, you know, talked with plenty of folks who have kids and seen up close how challenging it could be. So let me ask you some questions about it for folks oh, hit who, me with who want to know what the experience is like. So first I want to ask if you have a preferred term for it, right? Cause I think co-parenting is kind of the go-to, but I've also heard this term called parallel parenting. Mm-hmm. And so that essentially means you're parenting at the same time as mm-hmm. someone else, but not mm-hmm. necessarily working together with them. Mm-hmm. And for some people that concept helps because they're not really able to cooperate with you know their kids other parent um but it kind of gives them freedom to know like they can parent how they feel is best but do you have thoughts on that or have you heard those terms I've heard them both and I I understand I think for the people that have divorced and it's been pretty amicable and maybe they live in the same city or they live in close proximity I think co-parenting is easier but if you are divorced and you all are kind of just doing this thing you know, for the kids in terms of keeping them happy. And y'all only talk about the kids. Y'all, y'all don't consider yourselves to be friends. I think parallel parenting works best in that particular situation because, you know, it's like, I trust you to do what you need to do when the kids are with you. We're not going to discuss it. And then I, I'm going to parent the way I parent when they're with me. And when you have that agreement then I do believe the parallel parenting works better that way. As long as both of you agree that your parenting methods aren't harmful to the kids, because like there are certain things that me and my ex-husband don't do. Neither one of us believes in hitting our children. So if he all of a sudden woke up one day and decided now I'm going to hit him when I'm mad at him, that will be a problem for me. So we would not be able to parallel parent in that situation. So as long as, the respect is there for the health um, and emotional well-being for your children is there. I think parallel, parallel parenting works just fine. But if you have a good relationship to where, you know, you are still consider yourself friends to where y'all could even hang out, you know, all together and it's not a big deal. I think co-parenting makes sense because you literally can all sit, sit down, you, your ex and the kids and have conversations and, and talk through things. So for me, we're co-parenting because me and my ex, we are very good friends. We did not work in a marriage, but we do work as amazing partners for our kids. There's literally nothing that I could ask of him for our kids that he won't do. Like he will jump over hella hot water to get for our children. So we can co-parent when, when there are issues, we had an issue just here recently at Jackson school to where something happened that I was not happy about. He was the first person I called and said, hey, this happened. He said, I'm on it. And literally, he left work, went straight up to the school and handled it. So for those situations, I think it just depends on how well the split went. You know, um, was it was it a good split? Was it healthy? Are you guys kind of both healed from everything? Is it not a lot of egos and jealousy and things going on? Then I think you can co-parent in a healthy space. And I think 
ideally, if you can get to that point, that's the best way to do it. Because I think that the kids benefit from seeing the parents being happy together. So mm. that's good to hear that you have that good relationship, especially considering how you talked about, you know, how the marriage went. I think it can serve to maybe give people hope, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't have to dread getting divorced. Like it doesn't necessarily you know, mean that it's automatically going to be a terrible parenting relationship. Right, right. And I think that's a big misconception that it's out there. Like as soon as, you know, you get divorced and if it's, you know, you know, you're going to hate each other and not to say that there aren't some, you know, situations out there like that. Everybody doesn't have a a positive experience, you know, afterwards. And I know that that we are, I'm very grateful for it and blessed to have that, but that doesn't have to be your story. And, you know, I think if two people just sit down and say at the end of the day, even though we didn't work out, we still had our children in a loving environment and we still want the best for them. So how can we work together to still maintain that they get everything that they need, you know, emotionally, physically and and mentally and just being a united front that, hey, we, we may no longer be a team together in a romantic relationship, but we're still team our kids. Mm. I love that. So was that different during the marriage or like, how do you feel like that's been consistent or did the, did divorce change things, right? Has that the divorce process changed how you all parent? Oh, it definitely changed how we parent. That was not the case when we were married because we were married. He was very absent because he was, you know, in the streets doing his thing. So a lot of the parenting was me by myself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, it was not good because I was carrying the burden of raising our kids. I mean, of course he was still providing because the, the check still came to the account, you know, so there was still the financial coverage there. But when it comes to actually being present, you know, for them emotionally and making sure that our home was a space to where it was full of happiness and, and, and good energy, that, that was not the case. He was very absent. So things are definitely different now that you know, we aren't in the same household. And so we, we focus now more so on giving them what they need. And it's, it's much better now. Mm -hmm. I love to hear that. So, um, what have been some of the challenges? I know like, it sounds like it's a good setup, but what have been some of the challenges of parenting after divorce? I, you know, for me, and I can only speak to this from, from my perspective, I can only say that for me, the challenge for just as being a mother has been taking the time for myself and putting my joy, my peace, my happiness as a priority. Uh, a lot of people will, you know, get divorced and just say, you know what, I'm just done. It's just about my kids. And they will put aside their dreams, their personal aspirations, you know, going out and doing things and enjoying life. And it's everything is about their kids. Everything is kids, this, my kids, this, my kids, this. And in that, you lose who you are. And your whole definition of your life is just being a mother. And I didn't want to look back and my kids graduate and going about their lives. And then when I'm in the house by myself, I no longer know who I am without the mother title, without them being in the house. So I have been very... Uh, consistent now here lately, I would say maybe over the last two to three years with making sure that when I have my weekends to myself, when I have my alone time, that I'm putting things on my calendar that make me happy, 
that I'm taking trips and that I'm doing things and I'm leaning on my community and my village and people that help me to say, hey, I want to go do something. Can you keep the kids for me? You know, of course, these are family members and people that I trust. But there was a time that I would say, well, no, I can't do that because of the kids. Or, I, I can't go because I got to watch the kids. And you got people out there that are saying, hey, let me help you. Let me ease that burden for you, you know, and the trips that I that I took over the summer to, to Napa Valley and to D.C., some of those trips did not fall on the weekends that were not my weekend. So because I have a good relationship with my ex-husband, it was talking to him and saying, hey, you know, July's birthday month. I'm trying to travel. What are will you be OK with keeping the kids doing these dates and him just saying, yeah, no problem. I know that's your birthday. I know you like to go have fun bring the kids over. We're good. I, I got you. And for the times that he couldn't calling my mom and my dad and saying, Hey, can you keep the grandkids these days? Or can you, you know, they have these obligations. Can you take them if my ex-husband can't do it? So it's just leaning on that village and still being able to live my life and mm. being able to enjoy the things that I can enjoy. Because I, one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of people do make is putting aside all the things they want to do until their kids are out of the house. And mm. my youngest is 11, 12 years old. And I'm not going to wait for six, seven, eight more years for me to do things that I'd like to do. Mm. So just being very aware of making sure that I don't lose me, that I don't forget the things that I've always enjoyed in my life and continuing to, to make time and space for those things. And it's been, it's been wonderful doing that. So. Mm. And, it's, and that, I, think it's, I think it's made me a better mother too. Mm, okay. So, okay. Two questions. First. Um, so what caused you to make that shift, right? From being all about the kids to focusing more on taking care of yourself, or have you always been in that space since the divorce? Like if not, what was the, the turning point? Uh, I, I think I've, always been in that mindset. Um, I think because I, I've seen people in my life that took that direction mm. and I know how that story ends and the people in my life that are, are of older generations. That's why I preach having connections in all generations. All of the women that I know that got divorced or their, you know, ex-husbands or whatever, or their husbands were not present and just decided I'm going to live my whole life for my kids. Once those children left, they didn't know who they were and they didn't, they didn't remember how to connect to the things that they like to do. And when you focus solely on your children, it hurts your friendships. And so you can't be like, oh, girl, well, the kids are now, you know, gone. Let's let's go and have fun and, and do things. Those friends have moved on. They've made other connections. They've made other friend groups. They've made other travel groups. They're not going to be like, oh, girl, well, now that you're done raising your kids 21 years later, you know, 10, mm -hmm. 15 years now, we can go and do those things. They have not stopped for you. Mm -hmm. And you need to know who you are without your children, you know, and. I was, I was Ashley before I was a mother and I don't want to lose Ashley in the title of mother. Mm. Mother is just one of many things that I am. And I don't want to put mother above any of them. At the end of the day, me being Ashley is the most important thing to me. And I just didn't want to get to a point to where all of my kids left 
and I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do because I don't have PTO meetings to go to. I don't have anybody to drop off at a football or basketball practice. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't even know what hobbies I like. I don't even know Mm. where I want to go. Where do people go eat? How do people go do this? Because I've lost touch with the source of who I am. And I've seen other people do it. And when I saw it, I said, I never want that to be me. So when the marriage didn't work out, I was very conscious about not falling into that trap. Now, it wasn't easy to do that because initially, once you're trying to heal and you've got the, 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 that blow of being divorced, you still have to work through those emotions and process that. And while you're kind of processing, it is hard to be like, uh-uh, I'm going to get out here and do my thing when right, your right. healing should come first. Yeah. But once I healed and I got better, my children got a little bit older and didn't need as much of me as they needed before, it was like, okay, you know, I can do some things now. I can get back to being me. I can think about the dreams that I have maybe set aside. And there are, there are blessings to, to being single too. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people will uh, unfortunately think that just because you're not married that you're unhappy or that you know there aren't good things about being single i can get up and do things i don't have to worry about asking nobody else you know mm-hmm. as long as my kids taken care of i can do what i want it's a beautiful thing you know so yeah. i i have just embraced this phase of my life and embraced me and put myself as the center focus cuz i know if ashley is the best ashley for her she can be good at all those other titles too. Hmm, love that. Yeah. So the second question I had was because you mentioned that that the approach of you caring for yourself is better for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, have they noticed the difference or have they told you that they've noticed the difference in your parenting kind of throughout the years, I guess, mm-hmm. since the divorce and then as you really focused in on honing in on your joy? Mm-hmm. Now, I think the one that probably has noticed it the most would be Jackson, just because at the timing of when I got divorced, uh, he was the one that probably had the most years of us married. Uh, Noah, by the time Noah came into this world, we were pretty much divorced. So he's never experienced me and his dad together, you know, in the same household. So mm-hmm. he's always kind of had this version of me. Caitlin was pretty young when we got divorced. I think she was around like three or four. So, you know, children don't even establish memories until the age of three. So I don't think she recollects that version of me at all, but I know that Jackson does. Mm -hmm. So I, I can tell that he sees that I'm his big support, that I have his back, that I try to be very open and allow him to express how he feels. And I encourage him to talk to me. I encourage him to be honest with me, to be brutally honest. I, I've actually gone into his room and had conversations with him and said, do you think mommy's doing a good job? Is there anything that mommy could do better? Um, the, the, the trip that we took with each other to DC, we really had a lot of time with just me and him. And I really enjoyed that because having three kids, everything you do is kind of all y'all together. So I really do try to make an effort to do things with them separately. Mm -hmm. And so like me and Jackson, we have our things that we do together. We both love Marvel movies. So he knows when Marvel movies comes out, mommy's going to get the pre-sale tickets and we're going to go to the movies together. And the times that we have with just the two of us, I use those as times to just check in with him. You know, 
how's school going? How you doing? Is there anything that you need from mommy? You know, uh, do you, do you want to go here? I ask him, are there trips that he wants to take? Are there things that he wants to see? So I, I really do check in with him emotionally, probably a little bit more than I do the other two, uh, just because he's my most introverted child of the three. And I think he kind of holds a lot inside. So I kind of go a little bit over than I would with my younger two just to check his temperature emotionally. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are things going? I even ask about his relationship with his father. I'll say, how are things going? You know, when you're at his house, how, how is that relationship going? Do you feel heard? Do you feel seen? Is there anything more that you need from your father that he's not providing so that I can have those conversations with his dad? Because we have that good relationship. I can tell him, Hey, I had this conversation with Jackson and he, he needs a little bit more of this from you. So just making sure that I am very aware with what he needs and not just becoming the, all right, you're not saying nothing. So you good. But I, I make him, I want to hear the words out of your mouth that you're good. Cause I'm going to align those with what you're showing me as well to make sure that you're, you're good. So I would say he's the one child that, that has seen the difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I love that. Sounds like you're so intentional about, about checking in. I think mm-hmm. folks can take notes, like divorced or not. Like, this yeah. sounds like that's a good practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know when you get divorced, you get a lot of advice unsolicited <laughs> or solicited. <laughs> yes. Um, but in terms of parenting advice, what is the best advice that you received over this time? The best advice that I received came from my late therapist. And that was just knowing that my kids will be good because of me and just pouring into them and understanding that there's no, there's no real rule book to being a parent. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes, but just take accountability. I do not have a problem with apologizing to my kids. I do it Mm. all the time because I want them to be able to understand that when you make a mistake, you apologize. And then you're apologizing. And you apologize with words and not just come eat this food, come <laughs> eat this dinner. <laughs> we breaking that generational curse. I am not <laughs> saying load up, we going to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A is my apology. I will actually sit down and say, you know what? Mommy made a mistake. I let my emotions get to me or, you know, I, I did wrong and I'm sorry for that. I'm going to do better. They need to hear that from me, you know, because I want them to feel okay with talking to me about things. I want them to understand that I'm open, that there's nothing they could do that will stop me from loving them. I actually told that to Noah because he, I forget what he did, but he was scared to tell me. And I literally looked in his eyes and said, there is nothing you could do to make me stop loving you. So feel free to tell me anything. I'm not going to judge you. We're just going to figure out how to work through it. Whatever it is, mommy's going to come up with a plan but I don't want you to ever feel that there's something that you could do that would make you lose love when it comes to your relationship with your mom. So I'm just really, really careful with how I speak to them because I know that sometimes you can say things that will stick with the child for years. You know, we've all had those situations to where our parents may have said something out of anger and it hurts, you know, and they, that wasn't their intention to hurt you, but you get upset, you get stressed out and you holler things or you say things and they're still children and their brains aren't fully developed. So what you Mm. think they should bounce back from, 
That is not how it works. They are, they do not have adult brains. So for you to say something in anger and think that, oh, they'll be over it. It doesn't work that way. It sticks mm-hmm. with a child much longer than it does an adult. Once they become an adult and they can process, they'll say, oh, well, yeah, mommy was having a bad day. No biggie. But at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, where so much of our understanding of who we are comes from the relationship that we have from our parents. So if you tell somebody, oh, with your lazy self, do you know how mm-hmm. that sticks with a child? Yeah. You know, when you say those things, when you hurl the, I'm so tired every time I turn around, boy, you know, you just, you're just dumb. You know, you say stuff like that. And they, they process it different. And if the people that are supposed to be their biggest cheerleaders are the ones hurling bad things at them, that hurts worse than the world saying it. Mm-hmm. When it comes out of your mouth, it's worse than anybody outside of that house saying yeah. it to them. And I think as parents, we have to be very aware of the things that we say because you're either pouring in them to help them be a success or you are setting them back. And it is much harder to recover from those things than it is from anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important too for everybody to have their own support system, right? Because yes. it's not that parents don't get to be human, right? Like, of course, right. you're going to be human. You're going to have frustration and anger. But I think it's really key what you're saying to remember the impact that, you know, that parents and caregivers have on kids, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when lashing out and how important it is to come back and apologize, just how important that is for their development and help mm-hmm. them heal and move forward. Yeah. And one thing I did, because I realized uh, very early that I don't like to rush. If we got to be somewhere by a certain amount of time, I, you know, if we got to be there at 530, I like to try to be there like 525. I don't like to roll up at 530 because I know that it stresses me out. And one day I had to realize, well, Ashley, you're stressed out because you're poorly managing the time. That's Mm. not their fault. Mm. That's your fault. So Mm. I know that my children take forever to get ready. So I factor in forever to get ready time. Right. I I know when I tell Jackson to get ready, he may not come out the room for 10 more minutes. Okay. I factor that time into when we need to leave. So I know, okay, if I want to be there at 530, we need to leave her at 515. I take back 10 more minutes. Because I know it may take me 10 minutes to get Jackson out the house. I may, I may add another extra five because somebody going to forget something. I build all of that time into us leaving. So if mm. I know we need to leave at 515, I'm going to start the process of when we're going to leave at 410, 415. That gives me enough time to get everybody ready. And if we have extra time, okay, y'all, y'all can sit down for a few more minutes. We don't have to leave for 10 more minutes. You know, Mm -hmm. that gives it extra time, but that takes the stress off of me. So I don't get all stressed out and tensed up and then I'm going to yell and I hate to yell. You know, I hate Mm -hmm. to do that. And then it makes them feel bad. They're like, oh man, I'm a messed up. Mommy's mad at me. It messes up everybody's day. So because I am the parent, I am the adult. I take the reins on that, but I factor in those things to make sure that it doesn't put me in a state to where I may say something bad to them out of my anger and stress and frustration. And then 20 years from now, they on some therapist couch talking about, I remember the day we were late. Right. Talking and about they mom, almost broke up with their spouse because they was yelling at them for not getting ready. And then exactly. that's what their mama used to do. And yeah. Right. 
Okay, I don't want to be the trigger to somebody's couch conversation with a therapist. Every time somebody says this, it just reminds me of the moments that I forgot my sock and my mommy yelled. <laughs> so my I, I factor, I know my children. I know my children. I'm very aware of that. So I factor in those things so that I don't put myself in a state to where I say something that I can't take back and that mm-hmm. might cause them future harm. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of you taking care of yourself, yeah. right? And in doing that, you're taking care of them ultimately. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's some of the worst advice that you've gotten? You know, I think some of the worst, not necessarily the worst advice, but just thinking of old generation things, you know, from generations prior to, to us and the way they raise, you know, to where kids don't have a voice, you know, kids are to be seen and not heard. Uh, I, I give my children this space to tell me what they need and what they want. You know, I've, I've had people say stuff to me like, oh, well, when I was growing up, that wasn't an option. Well, that was how you grew up. That is not how I am choosing to raise my children. They do have options. They do have a voice. They do have an, if you don't allow your children to speak for themselves at home, how do you expect them to know how to speak for themselves in the outside world? Preach. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't give you an opportunity to understand options for you to work through things in your mind on what's right, what's wrong, what are consequences? If I don't give you the opportunity to do it at home, I'm, I'm not allowing you the, the ability to do it with anywhere else. So that means you'll go to school and if a teacher yells at you or does something wrong, you're not going to speak back because you've been taught I am to be seen. Mm-hmm. and not heard. Mm-hmm. So you keep those things in you as a child and you come in, you, you become an adult who believes I don't speak up against positions of authority, even if they're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't have an option to say anything because this person is my manager or this person is the director. So I just have mm-hmm. to sit here and take the abuse because this is the position that I'm, that I'm in. No, mm-hmm. I want to raise children that say, no, that's not right. Even though you're older than me, I still deserve the same amount of respect that you do. I can speak to you in a tone that is proper. You can do the same to me, you know, and you, the training ground for that starts at home. Mm-hmm. But if you don't give them the space to do it, how are they going to be able to do it when, when they get old? And then you're going to get mad at them. But why didn't you tell me that? Because you've yeah. never given me the space to do it any other time. So how right. am I supposed to know how to speak up for myself? Right. Right. Mm, That's good. That's good. Now, I know sometimes when people are considering getting divorced, there are people, well-meaning or not, that spout off these statistics about, you know, how kids um, fare, you know, being raised by parents who are divorced. Now, not even giving any legitimacy to those stats, Mm because, you know, I don't even know how how real that is, but you know, how, what would you say to someone who's wondering about that? Like, you know, I don't know if I get divorced, like, can my kids be okay? Like, will they be good? Mm-hmm. I think the, the answer to that is just continuing to be the good parent that you are. And knowing that even though 50% of marriages right now in the divorce. I think the number may be going down a smidgen, but it's still at about 50% at this point. That the children that tend to have the most issues with it come in from homes that don't 
allow them to have any mental health care. If, if they're having difficulty processing, it is your responsibility as a parent to get them to talk to someone professional to allow them the space to talk through their feelings. Get you a counselor, someone who is licensed to work with children, not somebody from your church, okay? Mm-hmm. No knock on the church right now, but if you are somewhere where you don't have a license, you haven't been trained to pick up certain things in a child, I don't need you picking that person to counsel your child. They can get the church stuff another time. But for right now, you need to get them with someone who has been trained and taught how to identify the little minute things that you may not not even notice. I knew my daughter was struggling with anxiety when I noticed she was biting her fingernails. Mm. She had almost no nails. I was like, Caitlin, girl, what? (laughs) What's going on with your nails? And I knew enough to know that is anxiety. That is, that is the fear of something. So I knew, okay, this is something that I need to maybe look into, but you're not going to know that if you don't get them in some mental health care professionals help or, and also get it for yourself. You know, if, if you, you've got stuff that you got to process too. So if, if you want to make sure your children are good, you need to get in therapy as well. Therapy and counseling with someone who is licensed to help people that have gone through traumatic experiences that have gone through divorce that understand where you are and can help you through that healing process. Cause if you are a better parent and you're mentally healthy, you're going to be better for your kids. So I think it's a two part thing. You get some help for yourself, but you also get some help for your children. So someone that is not in your house, that is not in your church that has been licensed to do this can help you help them sort out what they're working through. And although, you know, the percentages lean towards that, they say, oh, well, you know, they may have self-esteem or trust issues. Those statistics are usually of, of children that didn't have any help, that the parents just, oh, we got a divorce, y'all gonna be all right. Yeah, if you leave your kids to fend for themselves emotionally, they are gonna be messed up. But if you are a self-aware parent and you know my kids need a little help processing this and it doesn't need to come from me. If you take your ego out of it and understand that somebody else can help your child maybe better than you to process this, do that. And to statistics show 80% of children from divorces go on to become healthy, functioning adults. 80%. That's probably so, higher than people who come from families hello, who aren't divorced. Hello, and I don't know. I don't know why people think that just because your parents were together that 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 is a guarantee for success. I know right. of folks around here that are messed up. There's parents still married, been married seventy years, forty, fifty years, and they got some of the most messed up kids in this world. So we have to stop believing that just because people stay together for the kids that they're automatically going to be successful, that they're automatically going to be mentally strong. No, you know what that depends on the parents. Mm-hmm. So as Health long as you, of the parents. exactly. So as long as you make a commitment to make yourself well and to also make an investment in their mental well being, being, they're going to be just fine. Mm. I um, love that. Yeah. So two more questions. One is, 
what piece of advice you've already given some great advice for folks, but what's another piece of advice you would give to to folks who are either contemplating divorce or parents in particular who are contemplating divorce or maybe newly divorced or even like, you know, down the road into the game and just like need some support. What advice would you give? I would, I would say to just really just pay attention to what your children need and create a family plan based upon what they need. Every child is not going to need the same thing. Some are going to need more hugs and kisses to feel that they're loved. Some are going to just need more quality time with you. They're going to need that one-on-one time to still feel that they're supported and loved. And for you to also do those things with your, with your ex, to talk to your ex and say, Hey, our oldest, needs a little bit more physical touch. They, they need a little bit more hugging and kissing and, and words of affirmation. And y'all sit down and say, okay, let's make sure that we're both giving all of our kids what they need. And crafting it that way, there doesn't have to be, you know, the same thing. It's going to look different for everybody. You can't say, oh, well, I, I know my friends over here. This is the way they do it. That may work for them. That's not going to work for you. So stop looking at what other people do come up with a plan that works for your children. And me and my ex, because we have a good relationship, we have these conversations. You know, I'll say, hey, Caitlin needs this. Noah needs this. Jackson needs that. Let's make sure that we're both giving them that. Let's make sure that they're getting at your house. Make sure they're getting at my house. And if we notice things are changing, we have those discussions. Hey, have you noticed Caitlin's been a little more quiet, you know, or maybe we need to try to see what's going on there. So making sure that not only you're talking to your kids, but talking to your co-parent, talking to the person that you are and saying, hey, is there anything you're noticing at your house that maybe I'm not noticing? Because Mm -hmm. kids will be different (laughs) depending on whose house they at too. So just having those open discussions. And I think that's exactly why healing is so important because if you're not both healed, it's hard to have those discussions without putting your ego in and saying, well, you know, at my house, she fine. You know, instead of just saying, well, let's, let's explore that. You know, mm. maybe she feels more comfortable here. Uh, we, we, he and I have even had discussions to where if there's a weekend to where one of our kids says, I don't really want to go to dad's house this weekend. We're okay with that. We're 100% okay with that. If, if one of that, if one of my, uh, my youngest son, if he wants to go there and it's only him, I'll say, okay, well this weekend, you're only going to get Noah. Nobody else wants to go. And neither mm. one of us takes issue with that. We're not, Mm -hmm. we're not going to go, it's my weekend and I need my time. We put their feelings above anybody else's. Mm -hmm. We, we don't care about, about how I feel, how you feel. If their feelings are the top priority, we let them run the show when it comes to that. Now, of course, we're the parents, so there are boundaries and and rules in place, but we want to make sure that they get everything that they need. And the way that they do that is by us kind of taking a back seat and allowing them to show us what they need. And we step up and provide that. So I would just say to pay attention to what your kids need and craft a parenting plan around their needs and not around what anybody else says around what your mama, your daddy say, what it, just block all that noise out. Do what you know is best for your children. There are some ways that my parents raised me that I am refusing to use and implement in the way I parent my children. And that's no knock to my parents. They raised me the way that they were taught to raise children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom has made the statement, oh, you do some stuff with them that I would have never done with y'all. Exactly. 
Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm a good, healthy, functioning adult, but that doesn't mean that each generation can't do better. And mm-hmm. I, I will hope that my kids, when they get ready to raise their children, that maybe they'll do it a little bit differently than me, you know, and, and hopefully they'll take the good things, the things that they like from my parenting and implement them with their kids. And if they want to do things a different way, I'm fine with that too. Every generation is different. The things that we were dealing with growing up aren't the things that our kids are dealing with. You know, this TikTok, you know, society, the the instant gratification, how much priority is set on external validation. Th- mm-hmm. Those are a lot of things that we just weren't dealing with. So I try to parent to that. And I try to be a lot more um, a cognizant and, and notice that with my kids so that they can have the very best that they need. So. Mm. I would say, so I would say that just go by, make up your own rules and just know that nobody else can tell you how to raise your kids, but you, and be very, um, listen to the people that when, that when they do talk to you, how are their kids? (laughs) You know, cause I feel like Mm. you can't tell me nothing if your kids ain't out here doing good. You know, if I know, if I know your kids are messed up, I'm not listening to you, bro. (laughs) Don't tell me nothing. So Mm. That would be my, my, my main thing to anybody. It's just, you, you make up the rules that are best for you. Put your kids first, put their needs first, and just allow them to write the book of parenting for the, for that. And, and don't be afraid to pivot when things change, change the book, change the story as Mm -hmm. they, as they grow, their personalities change, the things that they need may alter a little bit, but just stay open, stay focused, stay attentive and and allow them the space to tell you what they need and you provide it. Mm-hmm. That's good. So the last question, because you talked about, you know, being attentive to your kids' needs, apologizing to them, you know, not hitting them, all of these things that sound really healthy. Are you taking applications for new kids? Because I'm like, <laughs> I can't be the only one that's like, I want to be parented like that. That is so, that, thank you. That is like the best compliment. <laughs> I, I have a few of my other friends that said, man, I want you to be my mom. <laughs> so that's, that's, I, I tried to give my kids I what I feel like I needed growing up. Mm. And, and so I, I always try to remember me. I try to remember what I, what I desire from my parents and the generation that raised me, they were very big on being providers of like, Hey, you got a roof over your head. You got something to eat. I'm going to give you this, but they were not good at the emotional aspect of it. Mm. And so I try to do a good balance of that because growing up, like my parents didn't come to almost anything that I was in at school. Like, you know, when I was on program for stuff, they were not there. They were working. They were providing, you know, Mm -hmm, for me, mm -hmm. I'm going to work, but I'm going to tell my job. To this day, my daughter has a program. I'm blocking off my calendar. I will not be there. If you call me, I will not answer, you know? And mm. so I think that's the difference from their generation. They were just trying to provide. It was like, Hey, I got to work. I can't be there. Yeah. For me, work is not an excuse for me not to be there for my kids. I will leave a job. If it means I can't be the parent that I want to be and God will provide me with another job that would allow that. And I'm grateful now that I have a job that gives me a lot of flexibility to where I can be there. And even for I've, I've never really had a lot, a lot of jobs or thank God I haven't had bad bosses that mm-hmm. if I knew. But if I got to fake a sick day, I'm, I'm going to be there for my children. I just I know what that means to look out in the audience and see somebody that loves you. And it's 
it's a big thing. It may seem like it's small, but it's not. It is so, you can see a child light up when they're walking in, they're walking into the program and you can see their eyes, you know, glancing around the room to find you. And the moment they see you, they're like, I'm good. You know, it's Mm -hmm. just like that, that extra support, that extra like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Cause mom's mom's in the audience. Somebody's there. And so those things are very important to me. So I don't put anything above being present for my children. I love that. I love that so much. Love that for them. Yeah. Love that for them. (laughs) Well, so for the coaching corner this week, I want to talk to folks who, well, both who have kids and who don't have kids. So I have worked with a lot of different folks. And what I have observed is that while you know, it's easier to leave a harmful relationship um, when you don't have kids. I say easier logistically, right? Like you don't have to coordinate other people or anything. It sometimes is harder for folks to leave emotionally because Mm. they can't use other people as an excuse, right? They can't use the kids as an excuse. You really have to dig in and think about what you want and what Mm -hmm. you need. Like that's, you're just sitting with yourself. And so I would encourage people, you know, who don't have kids, think about, you know, if you had kids or if you were parenting yourself, right? If you were parenting yourself and you're in the situation you're in, would you want yourself to stay in that situation? Mm -hmm. Or would you do anything you could to get yourself out of that situation into something that is safe and loving, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that can be really challenging for people, especially when you're already in this relationship, because you may think you don't deserve more. Mm -hmm. Um, it takes really honing in on like, you're worth it. You know, you're worth doing something different. And I would say for parents too, like, it's great to want to protect your kids. Like that's, you know, a responsibility that you have as a parent, but also you can do that for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know a lot of folks, like sometimes they'll get divorced or leave because of the kids. And then later on realize like, oh yeah, I needed this. Right. But if you're not in that space, right. Like you said, it's not, your whole life is not about your kids. Yes, you have kids. That's one aspect of your life, but that's not all of your life. You know, are you happy with how your life is when you look at what it is for you? You know, are you taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and really build up that strength? Maybe you're not in a harmful relationship anymore, but who's to say you won't hop into another one because you haven't yet built up the strength of really caring for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think thinking about this from a parenting perspective can be helpful. Like how, how would we want ourselves to be parented? You know, like, I love how you're talking about giving grace for your kids. I'm like, I want that. And I'm like, but I can, I can also offer that to myself, right? Yeah, you can. <laughs> I can, I can take care of myself. I can apologize and have grace and recognize like, I'm not always going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that's something that's really helpful for folks who might be, you know, who don't have kids and might be struggling. It's like, how would you parent yourself through this moment? You know, what, what would you aspire to have from a parent? And then you can provide that for yourself as well. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause not 
parenting yourself too allows for you to also give yourself rewards. Uh, when I coach okay. people that, you know, don't have kids, I have a few clients that don't have children. And that's one of the things I tell them, you know, if you go a day and you didn't cry, celebrate that, you know, break out some champagne, you know, or if you don't drink, go somewhere, go treat yourself to a movie. I think the most difficult thing of, of getting through and processing when you don't have kids is getting used to the quiet because when you're with someone, you're always moving with someone else. And, you know, when, when I was divorced, I, there was no quiet. I had kids. And so Mm -hmm. that did help me to not focus a lot on it because I had to focus my attention on my children. But when you don't have kids, all you are left with is you. All you are left with when you're at home, when you're in your apartment, it's just you. And so you kind of have to find solace in that peace and that quiet and understand that when you have those moments of quietness, I tell people journal, write those feelings down, you know, process it all. See how you feel. Like you said, parent yourself, you know, express how you're feeling to yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Get out the house, get moving, you know, start to date yourself, you know, focus on the things that maybe the person you were dating didn't want to do. Do that. Mm-hmm. Do a whole do week of that. that. If do there was that. a show that your ex didn't like to watch, do a whole marathon of just that right. show. You know, yes. just, oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah I'm just thinking, have, I've got some shows in my mind too. Like, let me go back and go. do that. You know, do a whole binge session. Like, oh, I couldn't watch this show with you. I'm gonna go now. Oh, I, you didn't like this restaurant. I did. Bam. I'm, I'm gonna have a whole night. Where I'm gonna go go to that during restaurant weeks if you want to. You know, just Ooh, yes. have a good time. Just enjoy your life you know just get back to being who you are so in those quiet times learn to find the peace in the quiet and get the lesson to just sit with it and allow your opportunity just kind of rediscover who you are so I love that it's kind of reparenting yourself and giving yourself Mm -hmm. grace to just enjoy your life make those mistakes you know that's how you learn by falling down fall down enjoy it get back up you know so I love that yeah that's a Mm. that's a good way to frame it yeah so let's see we've got our window aisle seats to give away Mm -hmm. um you tell me what do you have this week is it a window seat is it an aisle seat what you giving away I've got another window seat and I want to give a window seat to Dr. Shaquinta our forever life coach for just the wonderful work that she does with black women and to really just pour so much of herself into the revolution of rest and giving us all the space and the opportunity to understand that we can live such a better life when we give ourselves the space and the environment and the grace to just love on ourselves and become recommitted to being better versions of who we are and, and just to be patient through the process, I think Mm -hmm. as, as black women, we're so tough on ourselves. You know, when things don't go right, we're the first ones to beat ourselves up. We're also the first ones to come and grab the sword for the fight, you know, and, and it's a lot when you're balancing both of that, when you're trying to fight, but also you're not giving yourself the space to do the fight. It's a, it's a battle that you're going to lose. And working with Dr. Shaquinta and everything that she has done for so many Black women around the world, she's making a lasting impact. And I just want to give her the window seat because that's what we need more in this world. People that are dedicated 
to just making this this world a better place and doing it one client at a time and knowing that the things that you do are having a lasting effect and they're creating other wonderful opportunities. The reason why you and I are here on this podcast is because Dr. Shaquinta set up the the time in her life to pour into Black women. So I want to just give her the window seat, a big thank you for everything that she does and for always answering the call that God put on her life to help and pour into Black women. Mm, love that. Well-deserving. Yeah. Well-deserving. Well deserving. <laughs> yes. So this week, I also have a window seat. It's going to me. Hey, window seat to you. <laughs> it is me season, as Issa Rae said. Right, right. I'd like to thank me. Yes, I love it. I'd like to thank me for taking care of me. Absolutely. <laughs> Giving honor to me. Right, the right. head of my life. Okay, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I just have, you know, so we had the retreat. We talked about the retreat in the last mm-hmm. episode had the retreat this summer and I reflected on what um the vision is that I have for my life moving mm. forward. But I feel like when I got back I had this revelation that you know I haven't given myself much credit for how far I've come hmm. and how the work that I've done has really gotten me to a place where I really enjoy my life. Like Yes. Um, you know, the relationship I'm in, how I'm focusing on my health and, you know, enjoying my job and mm-hmm. my time with my loved ones. Like, I really enjoy where I'm at in life. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean I want to stay here or have to stay here forever. Mm-hmm. But I've done a really good job of taking care of myself. Uh, Even, you know, thinking about with what we talked about last time living the soft life, you know, outsourcing things like prioritizing my rest and my care. I mean, because at the end of the day, that's our job in life is Mm -hmm. to survive. Right. And so as much as we can, it's like we have to think about what do we want that experience to be like? Mm -hmm. And I've really been focusing on that, honing in on that. And yeah, it's paying off. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Your life is lit. I love it. And for y'all, you know, some of you, you know, we, we on the podcast, you know, we, we don't have, we don't have video here, but y'all like Daphne has been glowing up, man. Like, oh, y'all got to come. If you in Houston, y'all got to find a way to come see my girl because she's looking amazing. <laughs> she's living it up. You can definitely tell that the glow is not only on the inside, it is most definitely on the outside as well. So kudos mm-hmm. to you and the window seat going to you yes yeah. yes i'm gonna be in first class too first class. Gonna, you know what i'm gonna be on a private jet hey private jet yes <laughs> i mean theoretical because the environmental impact and all of that but still like you yeah. know i love the it. high highest level it's going yeah, to i me. love it i love it well everyone i do not want to uh forget and to mention that daphne and i are both life coaches and we do help people recover from bad divorces, bad relationships. If you just need some help and assistance, please don't uh, neglect to reach out to us. Um, I'm at Ashley J. White on Instagram. Daph, what's your, you're at Golden Daph. At Golden Daph. At Golden Daph on Instagram. We both individually coach one-on-one. So if you are struggling, um, Daph does a lot of work around people who have uh, recovering from narcissistic abuse. I do a lot of help from people that are parents and, and, and realizing how to recover from divorce. We, we would love to help you. 
So if you can go to our individual pages to reach out to us and follow us, we have links in our bio to where you can schedule clarity sessions to see if we could offer something that can help you. And also mm -hmm. just follow the podcast, you know, love is a trip podcast on Instagram. You can DM us there and we will get back with you. If you have any ideas for future shows, we love to hear that as well. Feel free to yes. comment on any of our posts, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. We love doing these things. So we want to make sure that we're always providing good value and help for our listeners. So thank you for showing up and supporting us. And as always, until next time, enjoy the trip. And don't forget to buckle up. Don't forget to buckle up. It's lit.